This morning's scripture is from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, look, The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So um, this past week, I masked up and ventured out with my husband, Stephen, to do some of that angel tree shopping, finishing up, shopping for some of the angels that weren't taken by one of you giving parishioners. And when we walked into Belk, one of the first things I saw was this display case with the Estee Lauder Holiday Exclusive Beauty Set. Now, for those of you who don't know, or more likely just don't care, um, this is a makeup set, an exclusive holiday edition that can be yours for the low, low price of $75 with any other purchase from the Estee Lauder counter. Now, Stephen walked right by this amazing thing. But I stood there in awe because it took me back to when I was a girl And I would see those sets every year when I would go out shopping with my mother. I made him come back (laughs) so I could tell him about the powerful memories seeing that brought back. And then we went on about our business of shopping. The next morning, I was scrolling Facebook and an ad for that very set of makeup showed up. Now, for those of you who are on social media or online of any sort, you are all aware that our phones and our computers are very attentive to what we look at, and they can serve up ads that are spookily on point to our likes and desires. We often joke in our house that our phones are listening because we'll get ads for things that we have never even typed into our phone or our computer to look at, but we were just talking about. But guys, I am not kidding you that when... I was in Belk that night. I never uttered the name of what it was I was looking at. So I told Stephen that my phone was apparently watching and listening to me now. His response was, contact tracing by the retail industry is much better than contact tracing in public health, apparently. Now, you're all probably aware during these pandemic days that contact tracing is the process of identifying persons who have come into contact with someone who is infected in order to test and maybe treat that person and isolate them or maybe to learn about the origins 
of the infection with the sick person. I got a great laugh out of Stephen's extension of this idea into retail, and it does seem to be a good description of what we all know to be true about online advertising. But as a good preacher, it also made me think about today's gospel writer and how he was a bit of a contact tracer himself. We've made it to the third Sunday in Advent, and after looking at the ways that the Gospel of John and Luke began their telling of the good news of Jesus Christ, we now turn to Matthew. And I will remind you who were not here, or, um, or remind you who were here, or those of you who were not here, that we looked at the Gospel of John, and we saw that he started with the very, very beginning. John goes back to creation telling us that Jesus was there. He was the very word of God, part of the creative power of the universe. Luke, that we looked at last week, begins with the stories of Zechariah and Elizabeth and Mary, and we talked about the angelic visit to Mary last week. Now Matthew, in what I think is just a beautiful way to begin the New Testament, begins in those verses that we didn't read this morning with a genealogy that starts with Abraham and follows down 42 generations to Jesus. A lineage that includes Isaac and Jacob, Rahab and Ruth, David and Solomon, and as Matthew writes, Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. Joseph Joseph was the descendant of David. Joseph, by naming Jesus, adopted him into the line of David. But this, as we see in today's passage, was, was a little bit of a tenuous path for the man, Joseph, who found himself in the situation that he did. Joseph was a righteous man, and he knew that he must divorce the woman he was engaged to when she turned up with child before their marriage was consummated. We see that an angel appears to Joseph in a dream, and this completely checks out to me, because I know what my dreams are usually about. They're about the things that I am worried or concerned about. When I remember my dreams, I can almost always tie them to strands of thoughts that have been running through my head, particularly those big thoughts Thoughts that will not go away. I could only imagine that Joseph's thoughts had been much on this situation with Mary. On the one hand, there was the law that was very clear about what he was to do. But on the other hand, there was Mary, a real-life, flesh-and-blood human who would be greatly impacted by the actions he would take. I think Joseph was ripe for an angelic visitation in his waking hours or in his sleep, and an angelic visit he did receive. One that set him on a path that led to the adoption of Jesus into the line of David, and as the author of Matthew writes, all this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel which means God is with us. Now, that sentence right there 
is why I say that Matthew was a great contact tracer. That sentence is one of over 40 times he will explicitly cite scripture to help build out his story of Jesus. And in addition to direct citations of scripture, he also indirectly quotes it maybe 20 or more times and refers to it in paraphrases, allusions, and imagery many, many more times. Matthew is steeped in scripture. Now, some would think that Matthew is steeped in Scripture because he wants to use it to build a strong case for Jesus being the Messiah. But New Testament author, a New Testament scholar, Eugene Boring, analyzes it in his commentary on Matthew that that is not the reason Matthew uses Scripture the way he does. First, he says, Matthew is not writing primarily to those who are not already believers. Matthew is more or less preaching to the choir. He's not trying to convince or to convert. And second, to be perfectly honest, Matthew's use of Scripture is not always convincing when you look at it in a rigorous and a studious way. Take that Scripture that he quotes from Isaiah. If you were to really, really study that scripture in its context, you'll see that it wasn't originally a long-range prediction. And it wasn't even worded exactly the way that Matthew picks it up. Most notably, it doesn't speak of a virgin, but simply of a young, pregnant woman. Another place in Matthew that my husband always points to with an upraised eyebrow is where Matthew tells us about Jesus making his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, what we know of as Palm Sunday. As Matthew tells it, he is on the back of a donkey and a colt based on a quotation of scripture that may or may not be about two different animals. So I'm not telling you any of that to ruin your experience of Matthew and his use of scripture to tell his good news story. I share this to point this out. Matthew uses scripture because of his conviction that Jesus was, is, the fulfillment of all scripture. Matthew, in today's text, picks up words from the prophet Isaiah, words that were indeed about the house of David, words that do indeed speak about God with us, and he uses them to affirm that Jesus can indeed be traced through faith to promises like these found in Scripture, throughout Scripture. Jesus is the one in whom God's promises are made complete and whole and final. When we study Matthew, and if we dig into the riches of Scripture that he uses in his telling of Jesus' story, we might be a bit perplexed or confused from time to time. But there is something beautiful in the way Matthew connects Jesus with God's promises the way that he does. There is something faithful and hopeful there that builds our own faith and hope, does it not? To look back, 
With the knowledge of Jesus' birth, ministry, death, and resurrection. And to read those promises throughout the Old Testament and to see Jesus there, that's beautiful. Just as John began reminding us that Jesus was at the creation, Matthew is showing us that the promise of Jesus has always been there. Matthew wanted his original readers to see that God wrote the story of Jesus, had been writing the story of Jesus forever. The story of Jesus is God's story. And this is a story that continues still today. That is the hope of Christmas. That is the promise of Easter. Matthew ends his gospel reminding us that God who was with us in Jesus' birth continues to be with us. Here are the very last words of Matthew's good news, Jesus' words. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. May we go from this place today seeing Jesus in the world just as Matthew saw him in all of Scripture. For our world today is, after all, a continuation of God's story, Jesus' story. May we go and see and tell this good news in all that we say and in all that we do. In Jesus' name, with the power of the Holy Spirit, to the glory of God. Let us pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, once again, we come this morning and we thank you for the witness that you have given us in Scripture. The witness, first of all, of four distinct and different gospel writers who show us different ways to look at you, the one true God. We thank you for Matthew's rich use of Scripture, showing us how your word always did and still does point to you with us in this world. Help us to be your people of hope and peace and joy and love wherever we go, whatever we do. In your name, amen.